Welcome, party people, to the place to be. <laughs> this is so stupid. Um, <laughs> Again, the, the music, the intro, and the countdown, I was just kind of, yeah. I was, going, oh, my goodness. Anyways, um, Austin Action Fest, Austin Action Heroes and Friends. I'm Benjamin Thanderetic II, a.k.a. the Violinist Conductor. We have with us Danielle, Queen of the Universe. That is a big deal, if you can't tell. Uh, and Keisha CG. Okay, look, she looks cool. I like that CG. I like that. And our special guest today is someone you probably already know and love because she's awesome. And her name is Laura Herring, the director of These Hands Are Made for Knocking. Let's get some noise for her. Yeah. Yeah. So, Laura, how you doing? Doing well, man. How about y'all? <laughs> Sorry, um, sorry Texan. <laughs> I was like, it came out immediately. I was like, oh my God, I sound super Texan. Okay. That's like when you text It is what it is. Yeah, ain't, yeah. Nothing, ain't nothing wrong with being ain't Texan. Ain't nothing wrong. You know? So um, good to have you here today. Um, we're going to have some fun. We're just going to be very informal. Just talk a little bit about film and talk a little about who you are, what you do. Um, I know a lot of our people and a lot of our viewers saw you in the 2022 uh, event because you came to the event and actually spoke on one of the panels. So uh, if you could just kind of give people a brief overview of who you are and how you got into film in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, I'll say that before I ever fell in love with film, I was, you know, as a kid, huge into movies, huge into books. And I was writing a lot. Um, I did my first short film when I was 17 as a uh, project where I took all the uh, theater rejects and uh, were like, hey, you want to be in this film with me? All you have to do is one monologue for the semester and then you don't have to do anything else. And they're like, yeah. And so we did that. And, um, you know, doing that process really made me realize like, oh, I really like filmmaking, this is fun. So mm -hmm. I went to UT um, and I, you know, basically, you know, majored in filmmaking there and kind of started off on that path. Uh, and, you know, as far as, you know, the things that I like to do, you know, I'm very much into genre films, uh, films that, you know, kind of, you know, there's, you know, there's a little something else to it that you're you're very intrigued by. So for uh, these hands were made for knocking. This was a uh, short film that I originally wrote as a short story, um, and very much inspired. I had a lot of um, you know these overarching male figures in my my family life. You know, both of my granddads were boxers, and um, you know box in the military, did all that. And then, um, you know, so all these stories kind of followed me and, um, you know, someone who as an artist, you know, I have my own uh, mental health journey and so forth. I really wanted to write a piece that was about, um, you know, people, you know, finding faith in something higher themselves and being able to draw upon that in order to you know, get through tough times, you know, get back up. Uh, so that's really the message of my short film, you know, and the, the boxer, you know, it's such an external thing, you know, it's, it's, you know, so mental in so many ways, um, you know, but it all starts with your internal relationship with yourself in order to win that fight before you even get in the ring. So, 
Um, that was a really big inspiration why I chose to go the, the boxing route with that. Um, but ultimately, you know, it, it's supposed to be a story about, um, you know, finding your own uh, strength and, uh, you know, having the faith to see that, you know, there's more that you can aspire to and going for it. So. No, actually, I think the, the boxer is a great analogy and people talk about life in general. Um, the thing that's so cool is that almost you can't not get touched, essentially, when it comes to boxing, right? Yeah. Um, you may not get defeated. You may not get knocked down necessarily, but there is no way to get through like a boxing match and no one puts a hand on you at all. Um, and one of the things that's always been cool is why one of the reasons people really like Rocky is that getting knocked down is inevitable as it is in life. Do you have the strength to get back up yep. when everything hurts, when you don't even know if you can win, right? Will you get back up when the odds are against you and it's just much easier to, to stay on the ground? And as a filmmaker, <laughs> especially independent filmmaker, I think that is uh, critical. It's like, if your why is not big enough, when you get that 10th, 11th, that 100th no, Will you keep going or will you fold? So now that's an awesome, that was, a, that was an awesome one. And I know we, and then we got a chance to work with you on that one a little bit. Um, and you had, who else was on you on that one? That was Kelly Riot, right? Yeah, so, um, you know, I'm a big fan of bringing in people who are specifically experts at what they do. And, um, you know, as a director, I hadn't done action before. So it was important for me to bring in someone who, was able to guide that process. So it actually translated onto screen. And so I hired um, a good friend of mine named Kelly Riot. And Kelly, uh, she, you know, she does a lot of stuff, you know, including, yep, <laughs> you know, director of photography, you know, directing uh, stunts and so forth. Uh, and I brought her on specifically as a uh, action director and choreographer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we did all the pre-visualizations before we ever step foot on set where we had the actors rehearsing, you know, going through the motions. So, you know, and that, that day that we filmed all that, it was a tough day, but not because of the action. <laughs> it was mm. the action stuff was went the most smoothly that day. It really saved our bacon, honestly, <laughs> <So> <laughs> that we did all that prep work. So huge advocate, you know, bring in the experts, you know, people who can really elevate your, your stuff to the next level, especially if you don't have, you know, as much experience in something in particular. And do you find that now that you've done a couple of things that do have action in them, do you find that that's normally the case where the action isn't what makes things take a little longer? Is it normally in your experience that does take the day, make the day drag a bit? Yeah. You know, um, I've been on, I've had my own sets. I've been on a few other people's sets. Um, I think it really comes down to prep when you, have the actors like they know their moves they rehearse their moves they've done it numerous times where there's muscle memory involved for me that's that's the fastest part of the day you know is mm-hmm. filming those scenes um it can be challenging if there's a stunt you know and you know someone has to fall a certain way or you know sometimes that can take a little bit of time uh to do uh for me falls have always kind of been something where you know, that might take a little more time than the actual, you know, people making the motions and so forth. Um, but it's still, you know, uh, it's still something 
you know, when you're an independent filmmaker and you have like so much time in your day that you're trying to get through. So you get everything you need coverage wise. Um, it. it can still be a little bit of a challenge. Um, but the sets where people are just trying to figure it out on the day and wing it on the day, those are mm. super challenging. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't <laughs> recommend that. So I've been on a few of those for other people and I just, I was like, okay, this is what not to do. <laughs> so. yeah. I have a question for you. I want to, oh, go ahead, Daniel. Oh, real quick question, question. Um, did you see any differences in just the, the producing of an action film? And what did you take away that was like, this stood out that was really different from an action film versus a, a traditional narrative film? Yeah, um, you know, I think uh, with producing, it's always coming down to breaking down what elements that you have within your script and so forth. Um, and with action, it's, you know, kind of what, what I was saying here was just like, we need to make sure that we, you put the forefront of thought and strategy in your production towards the action, because that's, that's part of what's going to sell your film. Right. So, mm -hmm. you know, being able to, uh, you know, kind of strategize your pre-production with that in mind and so forth. I mean, it's a really big, you know, uh, aspect when you are producing the action uh, films. So, it's kind of like if you were to be doing a special effects heavy film, you know, you want to have tons of meetings. You want to have like everyone knows exactly how you how you're going to do it, um, because there's always like this percentage of stuff that you plan for where it's like maybe 20, 30 percent doesn't happen the way you want it to. But <laughs> if you can at least get close to everything that you want, then you're you have a lot more, you know, to offer in the film and the edit. So thank you. Yeah, I was going to ask. So I know you said that um, that particular day on set, some things weren't quite going the way that you had planned for them to go. So I know like we all have been on sets. We all have had those days where we're like, what is happening? <laughs> what is going on? So yeah. what do you normally do when you're on set and that starts happening? Things start, you know, kind of going way left. How do you help things get back on track? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I'll take, I'll say that day in particular, you know, we had an impromptu conversation with uh, the brewery that was next door. We were just like, oh, we're supposed to open for four hours, which, you know, they originally hadn't um, been open the last few weeks. So, you know, we were kind of in, so we had to negotiate very quickly, like, okay, well, do you mind closing? So, you know, we're not catching all the music and everything. Um, you know, I had a featured extra disappear suddenly in the middle of the day. <laughs> I was like, where did he go? No one knows. <laughs> uh, so we had to like, you know, shoot around that and bring someone in. He had already been on camera, so it wasn't like you could just replace them. Uh, so he showed back up. It was very interesting. <laughs> very funny and weird how this stuff happens. Um, and you don't even ask, hey, where you been? You just kind of keep rolling like, all right, he's here, let's go. <laughs> that was in our experience what we had to do. <laughs> I don't even think I knew that that happened. Uh, yeah, no, that was that was funny. Um, we're, I ended up working with him on a different set many years later. And I, I you know, I kind of looked at him like, hmm, you know. But <laughs> Did he disappear and show back up at that time? <laughs> <laughs> Not for that one, luckily. <laughs> Uh, that's good. Um, and that's then, good. you know, 
we had uh, we had a lot of like makeup going on as well. Our actor um, for you oh, know yeah. this, this you know black guy that was um, you know we, I think we had a, like a little bit of a bump with like some of the uh, prosthetic stuff. Um, so you know we kind of had to allocate a little bit extra time to getting that fixed so it was camera ready. And, um, you know, so those are just things that like kind of started making us go a little bit longer. Um, the other thing that can be a challenge with independent filmmaking is the uh, production moves. So we had one mm -hmm. scene at the beginning of the day where we were filming at Richard Lord's boxing gym um, in Austin. And then, you know, our production move was only 10 minutes away to where we were filming all the stunts for the, the fight scenes. But you know, loading out, loading in, you know, getting all of our personnel. That's where the, mm -hmm. that's where the guy just disappeared in the middle of the day was during this whole production move. Um, you know, that took a little bit longer than we had anticipated. So it set us behind. So there was a lot of things that were, we were kind of like, oh my gosh, you know, we're, we're going behind schedule here. Um, but as a director who, you know, is trying to keep that in mind, you know, I don't want to make people work crazy hours you know everyone's kind of used to the 12 hour day um yeah. but you know and we had done 12 hour days up until that point but that was the day where it was like we just have to buckle down and push a little bit extra hard you know at the very end and go a little over so we can just mm -hmm. get it done you know um and luckily everyone was super game and uh we made it happen so <laughs> awesome awesome yeah yeah, yeah. You know, those days where you just kind of got to keep pushing make it happen yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I mean, so. sometimes, sometimes it's like that. So in your experience, you know, besides uh, company moves, um, is there anything else that you think if you're, if you're a newer filmmaker or some things that they should be looking out for that will be either time sucks or money sucks when it comes to your, your short film or feature film production? Yeah. And I think uh, production moves is definitely um, a, a one to keep in mind, you know, if you are filming multiple locations in a day, that usually means you're going to have a little bit extra time in the middle where, you know, you're going to lose a few hours potentially, um, even with a well-organized production, even with like a strong AD, you know, things happen, you know, it's just, it, it is what it is on that. Um, you know, in terms of the, the things to kind of look out for, um, I would say that, you know, your department heads are one of the biggest you know, assets you will have on a film production, mm -hmm. you know, and so trying to attract people who are really good at what they do is important, um, you know, because you want a director of photography who, you know, for my, for my film, for instance, you know, I knew lighting was a really big deal. And so, you know, I specifically was looking for a DP that had a lot of experience with lighting and, you know, my, DP I brought on, uh, who's amazing, uh, Josh Verdesco, originally had come up through the electric department with lighting. It was a gaffer for years before he made the, you know, the transition into camera and becoming a DP. And so that was, that was such a, that added so much value because he knew how to make a lot with less. <laughs> so that is a huge thing where you bring expertise into your into your film you know production design uh philip rios was my production designer and you know he is also like he works me you know here in the austin industry he has a lot of resources he knows 
you know, how to bring all these things together for you on a budget, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, that's the thing where it's like, it's worth paying your, your experts, you know, mm -hmm. and bringing those people in because at the end of the day, they're going to save you a lot of money and a lot of, you know, you know, time. I think that's one of what you said there is actually really interesting. It's the intangibles, right? If you have, so for instance, Kelly, right? Most people here in, in Austin, Texas, they know who Kelly is. They know she can shoot and she can do good choreography. She's going to make you look good. If I don't know who your fight choreographer is, or your stunt person is, I may not be comfortable or feel super safe working with them. Um, in addition to that, the right stunt choreographer or person might be able to get people at a discount. There are people who might be willing to work with them and not charge a full rate because they know the quality of their work or they always wanted to get on their radar. And I think a lot of times when we're casting people and, and filling the crew out, we sometimes overlook some of those intangibles it's not just do they have the skill set to do it like my my grandma mabel might be able to do makeup on the set she could probably do it but if i get a professional uh makeup artist they're gonna have other people they can bring in they may have referrals they may be able to get discounts on the on the products that they're using they may have everything we need so i don't have to go buy all of it you know what i mean so yeah. these are some things that I don't think a lot of people consider when they're just casting. It's not just what it costs to put the person on the on a on the on the role there. There are other things involved that you can consider. Mm -hmm. So Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. So actually, let me see if I can pull this up because if I can, this would be a lot of fun. I think I might have the trailer to these hands yeah. up somewhere. Let's see if I can get this thing to share like it's supposed to here. And your sure. your movie looked amazing, by the way. Like you said, the lighting, you really <laughs> wanted to focus on that. The lighting was great. The cinematography looked awesome. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Oh, you're <laughs> welcome. Yeah. I'm big into the coloring and set design. Look at Yes. And so, yeah, that was really nice. Very nice. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Symbolism. There's a lot of, yeah. There's a lot. Let's see if it's going to run for us. <laughs> that. You're doing great out there, Marcus. You're doing just like me and your old man taught you. Your dad would be so proud. This is your fight. This is your time. You've been fighting in school again? The only knocking you should be doing is in those books, Marcus. Do you tell him lion not to roar? Should be teaching him how to fight. Life has a way of knocking us down. But people who believe in more than what they can see right now, those people get back up. They don't know what it costs us. Cracked fingers, broken ribs, ruptured kidneys, bruised spleen, ears ringing, back spasms, endless pills. Then why'd you do it, Dad? Because sometimes you realize these hands are made for knocking, son. All right. Hey, trailer. I hadn't seen the trailer. Uh, also, hire a trailer editor because <laughs> I, <laughs> I I edited my film, but I was like, I don't, nah, you know. So. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
could you could you um kind of you know this is a thing that happens a lot most of us end up just doing it ourselves right what <laughs> what are some key differences that you you are aware of between a trailer editor and someone who just edits yeah anything else absolutely um you know i think it's just like your goals are different right you know when you're you're when you're editing a film and a narrative you know, you're trying to find the flow and this rhythm of, you know, each individual scene um, and how they all tie together. And then, you know, as a trailer editor, it's really someone who can watch, you know, and have an objective viewpoint of your work and say, oh, these are the, these are the exciting images. These are the exciting elements. These are the things that are going to create desire for people to actually want to see the film. Um, so, you know, and it's it's a skill set. <laughs> you know, I know a few, I know a few people who can kind of bounce between the two, but ultimately for me, I just was like, I'm gonna let someone else do that. <laughs> uh, and very happy that I did because um, you know, my guy did an amazing job on that. So yeah. No, that's actually that makes a lot of sense. Also, you're not as objective. Yep. Um, there's going to be certain shots that are your baby and you're going to want to stick those in there. Um, yeah, I try not to edit my own trailers if I can help it. Um, mm -hmm. But I definitely understand what you mean. And, th and then there's scenes you're like, oh man, this is so good. And it's like, yeah, because you have the context of how that fits together with some other stuff. To somebody else, they have no idea what these people are talking about and they don't <laughs> think it's cool. So, right. Uh, <laughs> But I mean, a lot of that's actually true of people talking about hiring editors in general, you know, where you yeah. know you have to proverbial kill the proverbial baby and it's easier for an editor to do that than you. So. Yeah, and I would definitely say for a long form project, um, I would much rather bring in, you know, a head editor, you know, I'd, I'd, I like to edit, you know, so I, I doubt I'll 100% you know, put everything onto someone else. But at the yeah. same time, uh, it is very helpful because, you know, when you're talking about like a lot of the filmmakers, uh, you know, in past, past, present, future, you know, you talk about how many evolutions your script goes through to become mm -hmm. a film. You know, you have the writing, you have the production and the editing is the last big one where it's like, that is the, ultimate shaping of your project, you know? So um, having someone who can see the vision of it and being able to actually like draw it out, it's just, it's it's a huge skill. And and sometimes working with an editor um, is also very valuable because they'll see things that you don't if you're too close to the project. Like my editing took way too long because I kept re-editing. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I really should have brought someone in sooner. <laughs> Uh, but I just was like, oh my gosh, like, what about this? What about that? And so, you know, it's, but having someone else, you know, who can like bring out your work, you know, it's, it's definitely faster and it can be a huge, huge benefit for your project. Cool. Okay. Well, so you, you're doing a lot of things, the independent route. Um, how are you going about the fundraising side? Like what's your technique for that? Is it go to work, make a bunch of money, <laughs> shoot a thing or like, what's the, what's your plan typically? Yeah, so you know, I'll I'll just like separate um, you know some of this out for short films. You know, I've done a number of higher budget short films, um, and you know, it's usually dependent on the project. Um, so there's there's different ways to go about it. You know, for these hands, we were able to kind of secure 
a patron for the film um, who was willing to be like, you know, I'll help fund you, do all this stuff. I really like the message. I like this project. Um, and knowing who you talk to, you know, because short films, you're, you're just, you're not going to make a lot of money, you know, <laughs> if at all, you know, so, uh, you know, it's, it's like this big, like, oh my gosh, how do I make money on it? It's, it's, it's hard, you know, so, um, you know, not unheard of, but, you know, it's hard. And so, um, you know, finding someone who might be willing to just, you know, because there's an emotional connection, um, you know, there's a message, there's something that, you know, you can talk to someone who has some extra funds who might be willing to invest in that um, can be powerful. And then also, you know, for me, I always just talk about, you know, not only do I believe in the message of the project, but I want to raise a certain amount because I want to pay, you know, at least our, our key court, you know, production team, you know, mm -hmm. the money doesn't go to me or my producing team necessarily. It goes to the people we're hiring and I want to be able to offer something because, uh, you know, we do, we do a lot, you know, for free and stuff. And that's <laughs> nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, if you have the opportunity to pay people, like people are so stoked about that. And it, it can also yeah, help people very excited. Um, it makes so it much easier that. to ask your spouse for the time to go do this thing on the weekend when you can at least say, I got paid something for the time. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it, that is, um, you know, something that, you know, I used on these hands for the uh, proof of concept up in the house top uh, short. We actually did a really big fundraising campaign uh, to crowdfund a good amount of the cost of that film. We raised $25,000 on Indiegogo. And that was a uh, that was months in the in the making planning. Um, you know, my, the two directors, you know, who brought me on to that project were originally talking about, you know, I think we want to do this. And I'm like, okay, but are you willing to do the work to have a successful crowdfunding campaign? Because Ooh. you can't just throw it up. You know, maybe a few people will, will put a few things. Yeah. If you're, if you're raising like two grand, maybe that's, that's easy. 25. No, <laughs> you, got to, you got to strategize. And for me, a big part of that is personal outreach, you know, reaching out to your friends, reaching out to your family and telling them before you, you do it, hey, I'm probably going to be doing this. You know, would you be interested in, in helping us with this? And, you know, sometimes that personal connection, you know, really helps people be like, yeah, I do want to help, you know, now that you're asking me. <laughs> and so um, and just like telling them before you even do it, you know, it's really, you know, kind of making that announcement, building that anticipation and so forth is a really big, you know, part of that. Um, and then every, every platform has their own, you know, strategies in terms of, you know, how do you, how do you ask people to um, basically uh, contribute in order to start getting traction on the platform? Yeah. So then the platform will put your algorithm higher. So then mm -hmm. other other people who might just be like, oh, I really like this project. We'll, we'll put you know some money in. I want to make sure that I followed what you just said. So you use, these hands are, are made for knocking. You use that to help you raise the money for your next film. Is that what you were saying? Proof of concept? Uh, no. I, maybe I misunderstood what you said. <clears throat> so these are two separate projects. Um, yeah. Hands, kind of a standalone, you know, my director, piece. Um, and then Up on the Housetop was one I produced, uh, which is a Christmas horror comedy. 
And mm -hmm. that was a lot of fun. We had stunts, you know, Ben actually was there for that. He was in that too. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kelly Wright was our stunt coordinator on that. Um, and that one is in particular is a proof of concept for a feature film because um, I think ah, okay. very strong, you know, and our goal was to do the short first. And I, I'm glad we did because we learned so much. That's gonna be very applicable for the feature uh, because there's a lot of a lot of special effects, VFX stunts, you know, things that are, you know, you know, going going in all those directions. So yeah, you're you're definitely trying to find um, a good strategy and you know and how you execute all of that so it does translate onto the film set and uh yeah so for that one you know the directors and i strategized we're gonna raise the funds through friends and family mm -hmm. and um you know basically it was a very uh very successful run <laughs> i'm gonna so, be honest so. so there's two there's two things i want to talk about here so one just real quick on the first one you said you basically found a patron who's just ready to just loved it enough to bankroll the thing yeah. um if you don't mind my asking was this a friend or was somebody you found like out in the world right like c-list it, it was through my my personal network so okay. um you know it was someone who i'd known for years and someone who knew me personally knew my work um and so it was a lot easier, you know, approaching that person. And honestly, when I first had the conversation, I didn't expect them to offer to pay for the whole thing. I actually was just hoping that they would pledge a, a yeah. part of the budget. But through the conversation, they were just like, oh, well, okay. you caught me at a good time. I have a oh. little extra cash. <laughs> I was like, wow, okay, I, I won't cool. take, I'll, I'll take, you know, if you want to do that, that'd be great. And so, <laughs> so, and and on the second one, you said friends and family again. So yep. the key here that people should really be paying attention to is uh, you need to have friends and <laughs> you have family. You probably want to be on good terms with them um, if you're a filmmaker and you need to have friends. Like, so don't be a dirtbag <laughs> <Yep>. or a <laughs> garbage human because you're going to have a real hard time raising money to do projects when you don't have a network of people. But this is, I think yeah. this also plays into some other things too, where um, you really want to be part of your community, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I know we did a, a project, uh, Chronicles, and it was interesting to me because I had, I had to do a crowdfund because someone pledged money while I was doing a live, just talking about the project. It was like, like I didn't even have a crowdfund up yet and someone was like, oh, that sounds cool. Here's $100. Uh, appreciate you, Joey. Joey F., you know who you are. You're the, you're the, the, the alpha uh, <laughs> alpha investor in Chronicles. But it was crazy because I was just talking about it on a live stream. Yeah, man, I'm thinking about doing this. It'll be really cool. And I was like, notification, someone already sent you 100 bucks. So I was like, okay, now I have to do a crowdfund to make this happen. And a bunch of people who, who I would consider, how am I going to word this? Uh, these are not tight friends of mine. These are not people I go grab a drink with at the bar, but these are people that are my film fam that I've worked with on projects and liked me well enough to think it was cool and want to donate and help out. And that was, it was, it was a humbling and emotional experience 
Um, but that's because there were a lot of people I got to work with who didn't think I was a, a, a dirtbag. If I was, if I was not a, trying to be nice or helpful, or if I wasn't trying to do my job well enough on set, these people wouldn't want to give me money. So, I mean, there was nothing in it for them. They weren't investing in getting a return. They were just trying to get help see me bring a vision to life. And I think that one of the things we do a really bad job at some time as independent filmmakers is we don't realize, hey man, you might wanna go to some of those birthday parties. You might wanna mingle and be friendly with people and don't just close yourself off and work all the time. And then, hey, I need money, give me money and then go back to work. You need to, you know, gotta show yourself friendly out there a little bit, so. Yeah, that's a that's an excellent point, Ben, because uh, you'd be surprised at how many people, you know, who are willing, who don't, you know, who you're not super close with, who, you know, you've met a few times or through some friends or, you know, through this organization and, you know, you have a soft connection to who are actually going to be you know, big champions and big encouragers for you, you know, believe it or not. So, and like you said, you know, it's, it's social capital, you know, you want to be, it's, it's more important than people realize. And it's not just funding. It's also whenever you are trying to get your stuff seen, you know, whether you put it online platform, whether you're putting it in a theater, you know, you want people to be supportive of the project and, and of you. So hopefully that they, you know, translate into coming out and seeing the project as well. So exactly. I have a question for you with regards to a little bit of the funding, because you briefly touched on it and you mentioned about the algorithms mm -hmm. and, you know, not to go into too much detail, but I'd really be curious. And I bet you some of the audience would be also curious to know a little bit about what you saw with the different algorithms and they need to go do their research, but <laughs> yeah. okay. just to give you, give them like a little high, I value um, information of just a summary type of a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So um, Indiegogo in particular, you know, I'll speak to that because that's where most of my experience is with, um, you know, you, so statistically, if you are looking at the success of projects, you need to raise 50% of your, your project within the first few days, you know, and then you're going to have a lull after, you know, so many weeks, maybe a few people showing up, a few people, and then there's like a big push at the end, you know, where you're basically getting people to, um, you know, do that. So for me, the biggest thing that I can ask for is, can you give it in the first 24 hours, even if it's $5? Because once you hit a certain number of donations, even if they're all $5 donations in the first 24 hours, the algorithm starts kicking in and your your stuff will start going to the top. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's the other thing where it's like you might have friends who are like they may not have a lot of extra cash, but you can ask them, would you be willing to do, you know, five dollars in the first 24 hours? So that way it helps trigger this algorithm and helps this project. And and that's an easy ask. Like and most people are willing to say yes to that, you know, um, so. And then when you start seeing a lot more people who are donating, it also creates more desire, more interest, you know, for people to be like, yeah, I want to be part of this. I want to help this, you know. So uh, but statistically, you're you're trying to load up as many people who are willing to say yes to donating at the, the top mm -hmm. as you can. And then, you know, continually push, uh, continually post and so forth. But especially at the end where you're trying to, you know, get across the finish line. Yeah, that makes a lot awesome. of sense. 
Yeah. Um, did, did you have any? Okay, so Indiegogo. Is there a reason you picked Indiegogo versus like a Kickstarter or a Seed and Spark? Because I know this is coming up a lot of times, but which platform to choose? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Kickstarter makes me nervous because I don't know if they do it now, <laughs> but at least like whenever I've done crowdfunding, it's, it's you know, it used to be all or nothing. I think it's maybe shifted over time. Um, Indiegogo, even if you don't get 100% of your, your funds, you, you'll still get something. And I always am of the philosophy where I'm like, you know, if I need to make adjustments, I will. <laughs> you know, if I need to find the money somewhere else, I will. You know, but at the same time, you know, having you know, at least something is very valuable for a project. Um, and, you know, so I think Kickstarter maybe has changed a little bit on that, uh, depending on, I think you can select what type that you're doing, uh, but there has been people I've seen in my network where they're trying to raise 10,000 and they are so close, so close, didn't get it to the end. And then, you know, it's like, hurts, you know, so for me, so that was, that was a turnoff. Yeah. When yeah. you say all or nothing, you're saying that Kickstarter used to say that if you didn't raise the whole thing, then you didn't get anything. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, you know, and people will say like, oh, well, that's, um, that's something where it guarantees like a, you know, I, if I'm doing it, I'm doing it right or however you want to say, but you know, is, is there a big difference between 9,000 and 10,000? I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, at the end of the day, you know, I think if you can make it for 10,000, you can make it for 9,000. So, um, yeah. you know, there's that. Um, I just, I haven't personally done Seed and Spark. Uh, I know a lot of filmmakers uh, do, especially for like, um, you know, if there's a message behind it, uh, mm. you know, something really personal that they're trying to, I see a lot of filmmakers go that route, but I, I can't speak to that because I haven't used it. Indiegogo um, was attractive to us because A, we had friends who had successfully crowdfunded on Indiegogo. So we were able to talk to them. What worked for you? What what was, you know, what did you know? It's like the algorithm stuff. That's that had I knew about that because I was having conversations with people who had you know gone through the process and learned those things, mm -hmm. um, and then also because it was um, a genre project, Christmas horror comedy, you know, mm -hmm. uh, there's actually like a decent amount of people who are just on certain platforms who are fans of the genre and may want to add to that. So Indiegogo awesome. was was a good spot for that type of project. Got it. So I want to want to highlight one of our comments here. Chilimwe Washington says, "Happy New Year's. Keeping your people happy in the pockets is a thing." Um, I know he has a family, <laughs> so I know from personal experience that talking to Chill, you know, he's going to ask you, "What does it pay?" Um, he will try to he'll do what he can for you, but he will definitely ask you, "What does it pay?" Um, mm -hmm. So speaking of Christmas, we just, you know, New Year's, Christmas, we just passed that. I think it'll be a great opportunity for us to play another trailer. Absolutely. I want to see this. Yeah. yeah. Let's see. Yeah, this, I haven't seen this one yet. Up on the house top. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's nice having us all here together again. Let's make a pact. <laughs> a pact that we'll call each other at least once a year to catch up.
Life's too short not to be spent with family, right? God, how many were out there? That's great. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I'm crying over here because I know <laughs> I know what everything is. Oh my gosh. That's so yeah. funny. Okay, so what what was in your what was in your head? Well who whoever well who you didn't write it, right? You didn't write I, it. I didn't yeah. come up with the concept. Yeah. Um the the two writer directors, Dakota yeah. Millet and Michael Fisher, came up with it and they had actually filmed like a little um, like no budget trailer for it, like prior to even deciding that they wanted to do the project. And I saw that um, I know Dakota personally because I've worked with him in the industry. Um, and so they when they were like, we want to make this into um, a feature, but we're thinking, you know, do a short first so we can kind of show what we're capable of and so forth, you know they approached me with that project and I was like, oh, okay, I love this concept. You know, it's basically um, four adult siblings accidentally kill Santa Claus in a home invasion gone wrong and must survive the night against his vengeful reindeer. You know? That's so great. So, totally. Yeah. <laughs> the most like ridiculous thing, right? You're like, okay, but it's, but it's such a strong concept. I was like, okay, I love this. I would absolutely love to make you guys, um, you know, I'd love to help bring this to life with you. Um, you know, the script at the time, you know, when we were first having a conversation needed more work. Um, and originally I kind of started out as like a producer giving notes and so forth. Um, but, you know, they did invite me in on the process to help make it go faster and because they respected my writing um, background and so forth. So by the time we hit um, to a point where <clears throat> we were happy with that, you know, we were also gearing up for crowdfunding um, and so forth. And uh, that was a really big one for us uh, to make sure we we're doing that. So after after that, I transitioned fully into producing, you know, making sure we're reaching out to crew locations, all the all the contracts and things like that was also something that I was working on at the time. So basically, um, you know, that way the directors could really focus on you know, the actors and the visuals and, you know, having the department head meetings and so forth um, and, you know, being able to really tease out and, and figure out their creative and so forth, which they had an idea of beforehand. But, you know, again, pre-production. Pre-production is, is one of the biggest things I'll tell any independent filmmaker, do it. <laughs> you know, your film will, will, so much of the quality of that is of your film is going to be determined by the amount of planning and pre-production you do with your team members, with your cast, you know, and, and everything else. So, you know, with the story, I'm like wondering, it's like an alien invasion invasion. I'm curious. I'm just throwing that in. <laughs> it's the North Pole hood invasion coming in after that. <laughs> Hey, maybe first thing, <laughs> just you know, bring in everybody. <laughs> and now I go there. Awesome. <laughs> no, 
I'm, I'm curious to see what the feature yeah, uh, has entail or how it escalates. Cause I mean, that's, that's a lot yeah. that we got in the short. So I'm like, well, how much more ridiculous can it get in a feature with uh, yeah. a full hour and a half? Um, so I'm with it. Sounds awesome. Cool. Um, Trying to think, is there anything else we have not covered with you that is important for us to cover? Is there anything going on? Um, actually, you know what? You mentioned something recently. You mentioned a movie that you're enjoying right now. So we're, we talked about award season a little bit. Um, what's what's a movie that's exciting you, Ryan, that you think is really, really cool that people should probably consider watching? Something on your top of your list? Yeah, there's there's a few, but um, you know, having done uh, you know the boxing film with you know these hands are made for knocking, I was very interested in the uh, movie Iron Claw coming out, um, or that came out, and uh, especially because you know I was watching the scenes and so forth. Even though it's wrestling and it's not boxing, there's there's still a lot of you know mm. very physical stuff happening uh, throughout the film. So. Basically, I was watching that and, you know, going in, I knew a little bit about like the family it was based on, uh, but I was like, oh, this is way sadder than I remember. <laughs> so it's like a great tra tragedy, you know, and you had the wrestlers mm -hmm. and then you have, you know, all this loss that's happening. Um, but Zac Efron in particular was giving such an incredible performance that, you know, I think it's it's well worth a watch, you know, go check it out. Um, you know, Jeremy Allen White was amazing in it. Um, you know, he played one of the younger brothers that was just a beast in the ring, <laughs> you know, uh, excellent stunt work for him. Um, and, you know, it's just, so I do say like, that's that's one of those films that I think you should just watch just for the experience of it, um, okay. because there, it was a very uh, compelling, and you know there was there was still like a, a little bit of redeeming quality you know by the end of it where you're like oh you know <laughs> uh, so that was a, a really excellent one I, I recommend to folks especially for fans of um, you know Austin Action Fest. Yes, thank you, thank you. I have a question. Yeah. Question? Can I jump? I want to jump back go, to go film, his hands. Mm -hmm. So, was was the film healing for you? Because I, I know through some of the interviews and stuff like that, a lot of stuff that happened to you, plus you have family. So mm -hmm. was it healing, healing experience? Yes, absolutely. I would, I would say, you know, the story was with me for many years before I actually did it. Um, and it was one of those stories that just like wouldn't leave me. It was kind of haunting me. I'm like, all right, I gotta, gotta exercise this one. And, um, and I, I'm glad I did because ultimately, um, you know, putting it into the art that it was, the story that it was, you know, ending where I did on the script where, you know, yeah, and I, not to give too much spoilers, but, you know, he, he does have his redemptive arc, mm -hmm. you know, was something that was very important to me because, um, you know, and afterward, yeah, I would definitely say, like, it felt like this huge relief and weight was off of me as an artist, you know, it's, it's funny how certain projects will just, you know, take you over, you know, but then also just dealing with my own, um, you know, mental health journey and so forth, you know, you kind of externalize that in your art, you know, and, and process it through your art, you know, and I had incredible, um, you know, main actor, uh, Felix Alonso, who put everything into that like you know, he goes all the way 
And, you know, it was interesting because he had a lot of um, parallels in his life to this character, you know, and that experience. And that was another reason why I felt he was, you know, talking to him. He was in the audition process. I felt like he was perfect for the part because um, he really related to that journey as well. So we could really connect through that conversation about, you know, what we're trying to accomplish here. And so, you know, that's another thing that's that's really healing is just talking about it, addressing it as mm -hmm. you're kind of working through the whole process. So really- He did an amazing, he was yeah. amazing. Yeah, his it's performance really was great. Oh yeah. Really <laughs> it helped me, I wanna tell you that. So it helped me. So you don't know this because I never thought I'd be talking to you really like this. So, um, oh, so yeah, wow. And I didn't get to tell you this. So it helped me because um, I'm a breast cancer survivor, first of all, but I was a child who used to fight all the time. And so there's a lot of stuff behind that. But, and I've been hit, I mean, not just hit physically, but just hit with lots of stuff throughout my life. Yeah. And it still comes at me. But it, it, it wasn't necessarily not the getting, the getting knocked down and get up. It was the getting hit constantly that you can still move through it. That's, that's mm -hmm. what it did for me. So I really appreciate your story uh, because oh. it, it touched a nerve in more, more ways than, than you know. So I appreciate that. Yay. I'm so, so happy. happy. <laughs> so, yeah. Thank you. Thank yeah. you so much for sharing that. I, that honestly, that makes me, so happy because that's that's kind of like the point of what we're doing as filmmakers we're, we're trying to hopefully impact people you know mm -hmm. so that that actually means so much thank you for sharing You're very welcome. thank you thank you for making this yeah absolutely. no that is awesome that's awesome well um we really appreciate the the hard work going into that the the fact that you have like a i can tell from talking to you that you do think about like the back end some of the business stuff. Um, I'm going to ask you a little bit about like the, the intentions for distribution and all those things, but we'll wrap up with that. But I wanted to ask about the fundraising side. So you seem to know a lot about what it required to be successful on Indiegogo. Did you learn a lot of that from the last crowdfund or is that something that you do normally and outside of the directing and the producing and the writing, you also run campaigns? Is that what, what I'm hearing? Uh, you know, I don't uh, necessarily do that normally. Um, you know, I can say that uh, early on in my filmmaking career, you know, I did I did several um, projects where we did on Indiegogo and, uh, you know, one, we were raising two grand, got it. The other one, we're trying to raise a little more, did not get it, you know. So I learned <laughs> by failure on that one. And so it was really beneficial for me to be like, okay, there's a lot that goes into this. So, you know, for me, um, you know, I wouldn't say every project is right for it or even, you know, because again, you can probably raise a couple grand, you know, if you're doing two to five, I mean, most people in your friends and network will probably be able to, you know, put a little something towards that. Um, it's when you're kind of doing more that it becomes a thing. And I would say like being selective on your projects on which ones that you think those are the ones where I want to, Kind of put the call out to my my social network to be able to you know get behind this help us make it happen um you know i think being selective about that is important um and then when you're ready you know look at people who are successful and talk to them you know ask them what worked for them you know find experts you know 
um, I, you know, I did a little bit of like, you know, I engaged the crowdfunding, you know, expert guy, um, Justin Giddings, um, who does it all the time, you know, and so I was able to talk to him, you know, and, and get that expertise and so forth that he had to bring. Um, so, you know, consulting the experts is a huge one, you know, don't be afraid to ask for people to say like, hey, you know, I noticed you're doing this. This is what I want to do. You know, expert modeling is a huge part of any business that you do. You know, you want to find the model that's working mm -hmm. and then actually do the research and the planning and talking to those people who are willing to talk to you, yeah. you know, to basically try and emulate that that model of success. Well, that makes a bunch of sense. Um, I think a lot of times as especially independent filmmakers, I've noticed what tends to happen is that because we have to be scrappy in so many areas of what we do, we turn that into like a um, like a virtue. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And it's and it's like, all right, well, just because you had to do it your way on some of it doesn't mean you want to translate that to everything. Like there are things that work and you probably should be looking at why they work and try to emulate them instead of trying to just cut your own path all the way through the forest. It's just, you don't have to do that. And so I think crowdfunding and, and distribution, a lot of those things are, those are things that we can look at what worked or what didn't work and, and move forward and take what is effective and use that. But we don't have to try to carve this up, you know, a brand new way. Um, so yeah. speaking of that, as far as distribution and, and that side is concerned, like what's your what's your intention for these projects you're working on? Um, is it typically to do self distribution, some sort of a hybrid model, or get picked up by, you know, some organization? Like what's your what's your desire and plan for that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, you know, I'll just I'll I'll speak. I'm currently you know doing the stuff for these hands, so I'll just talk about that one. It's again, it's a short film, so it's a little different than, you know, if you were doing it the, you know, a, a feature film. Um, but for me, you know, we're, we're kind of emulating the model that you do see in a lot of distribution plans where you'll see, uh, especially now, you'll see a lot of features that'll go to uh, the payment first, where, you know, you have, um, you're on Amazon and you pay for the movie, iTunes, all that stuff. And then after so many months of that, then they usually tend to go to a wider uh, subscription-based service, hopefully. Um, so hopefully then you'll be on Netflix or, you know, one of these others. So, you know, that's kind of a strategy that I'm, I'm currently kind of employing with the, the short film is, you know, we have enough friends and family who have asked about supporting it, wanting to support it, that we're like, we're going to do, you know, three months exclusive on the, you know, Vita Fair platform. So, you know, that way, for $1.99, you can help support local filmmakers, you know? And then uh, from there, we're gonna do a wider YouTube release. And YouTube is a very powerful engine for independent filmmakers. I think a lot of people are exploring that more. Um, even if you're doing like low budget features and so forth, you can potentially turn your YouTube channel into a creator studio. Um, there's certainly other, um, you know, there's other groups that will distribute it for you, you know, and you're kind of adding to their, their, uh, their platform, but hopefully because 
they have so many subscribers already, you know, you're going to get higher rate, you know, higher views, which can be, um, you know, gratifying as a, as a filmmaker because your work is reaching more people. Or you can do the work of trying to create your own YouTube channel and, you know, kind of adding content and so forth to that, which is a lot of work. Again, you know, <laughs> it really depends, you know, what you want to do, what your goals are as a filmmaker, you know, when you're, when you're releasing stuff. Um, and then obviously, you know, um, we, uh, we have other things when you go theatrical, you know, you're trying to get it on the platforms, the streaming platforms and so forth. Um, but if you can make a deal directly, you know, for someone to, to buy it outright or, you know, license like a good chunk of it, that's, that's really where you start earning your money back. Um, theatrical is, is very, it's very tricky and not very many, <laughs> not very many uh, distributors are, you know, wanting to take that risk anymore because it's, it's a lot more upfront costs. So, you know, you're you're wanting to build a marketing plan from the beginning from the beginning of your projects you know and that's something i've learned so much more you know when i did these hands it was like just gotta make it just gotta make it you know and you know we were doing social media and so forth so that was good um but the more i've learned through this whole process you know and, and moving that towards the features that i have in development you know laying the groundwork of marketing is is huge so, you know, we're going to be going to, for, for instance, up in the housetop, we're going to be going to horror conventions this year. We're going to be oh. talking directly to the people, you know, and saying, like, this is what we're doing. So follow us on social. You know, we'd love to have you, you know, be a part of the conversation, you know, as we're, as we're so, making this happen. So when you do the horror cons, are you planning on getting like a booth? And having like a display or just kind of walking around and hustling. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do the tables. Um, you know, you can bring some merchandise, you know, <laughs> things like okay. that, some flyers. Uh so basically that's gonna be something that we're gonna slowly just organically try and build our audience and the awareness of our project because you know, this is something that, you know, filmmakers, you know, we don't necessarily wanna think about that. We wanna make the film, but if you're going to make the film, then you need to know how you're going to sell the film or at least, you know, have a producer who knows how they're going to sell this film, you know, and you do so by creating the desire to see it, you know, and how do you create <laughs> desire? You know, it's awareness. It's it's all these things, you know, people need to be seeing this film and before it even hits, you know, the, the payment structure of things where you hit into distribution you need people who are actively seeing it multiple times i mean that's why you know you look at a uh, barbenheimer um <laughs> you know i'll just even bring that up <laughs> they both of those films dropped their teaser trailers for their big you know temp you know, the, these big films a year mm -hmm. before they actually released it in theaters wow. so yeah. And that's when they started marketing. It was a year before they ever released it, you know? That is that is not anything any independent filmmaker <laughs> has probably ever done in the no. history. So but, let me ask you, do you ever do you ever cross promote on um I don't know how many of your film producer and friends, you know, including this one here, um, <laughs> that you that have websites that people actually cross promote their products and then have conversations like we're having. How often do you do that? 
You know, um, this is kind of the beginning of my era of trying to do more of that. (laughs) I want to do a lot more uh, because like you said, you know, you're, it's, it's kind of the YouTube model of success where they have this YouTube channel with this person do a collaboration with, you know, this other channel. And then suddenly that those subscribers are aware of this new channel. And so I am a big believer of that. Absolutely. I definitely yeah. think that we should have a setup situation here where, and I may have to, maybe it exists and I just don't know about it, but something that really promotes like Austin or at least Texan films. Like where can I go just watch Texas made or Austin made films? If anybody yeah, knows, that's a good idea. please drop that in the comments. Cause one of the things I've always thought was interesting about you know, I'm a Texan. I'm, I'm here to do film in Texas and hire Texans. And that's a yeah. main component of what we do, specifically with Austin Action Fest and Market, because we saw so much talent drain going to Atlanta and to uh, right. California. So my question was like, well, there's millions of people in Texas. How are we trying to support our own filmmakers? Like, yeah, I can go on Tubi or whatever and see movies from all over the place. But is there a place where I can just go see Texas films and support local support Texans? Yeah. Um, I think that might be a conversation or even if we if this gets to the point where we can be a hub, at least for the ones that are action oriented, where, hey, here's our pick of the week. Here's what's out from Texas people who are throwing hands. Um, yeah. yeah, and I'll I'll say this as well, you know not only is it important, you know, I think for us to, to help each other, I think it's also important for us to get a little political um, in terms of the, uh, you know, there's politicians in the state legislature who are, some are very pro filmmaker and some are not, you know, and having mm-hmm. conversations and trying to bring up the awareness that, you know, not only should we, you know, there's a lot of productions that go to New Mexico and Louisiana and so forth, Oklahoma, even though they're based in Texas, because incentives, you know, that's a that's a big part of it. Now we're very, I mean, something huge happened for us this last season where they increased the cap for the mm-hmm. amount of funding that they're giving for the incentive, mm-hmm. um, you know, but we're still capped at, you know, about 20, 22 and a half percent you know, for the incentive, um, you know, so there could potentially be more ways to, um, you know, yeah. make that go up. So having those conversations and getting involved also is something that can be very helpful uh, for I, Texas filmmakers. I really yeah. want to get somebody here to talk with us in great detail about it. Um, yeah. That's actually a conversation I've been curious about because it, my thoughts are all, I always have two questions, you know, it doesn't matter if they're talking about contract disputes or whatever. Show me the books. Where does the money go? So if we're, for instance, um, the state of Texas, do we offer subsidies to any other industries besides film? All right, if you do, now you have to justify why you can't offer it to film. Um, Mm -hmm. What's the return? You know, they should be looking at it like producers as well. What is the return on the investment that you would make into the film industry? Do you make your money back? Does it actually help your economy? These are the questions like I want to know because everybody's going to have like opinions, right? I want to know like what are the reasons for and against that are legitimate so that I can have a a proper opinion because I don't know where I land. I know what will put money in my pocket, but (laughs) 
<laughs> I, I want to be a reasonable person and I want to know the facts. I would love to have anyone from Texas, Texas TXNPA, mm -hmm. uh, anyone who wants to come on and talk with us about it, any politicians, you know, come, <laughs> come, come make your case on the Austin Action Fest and market. Uh, you know, you know, we've got the San Marcos big studios coming up. We've got the Bastrop big studio coming up. And so yeah. there's gotta be something here, but that we don't know if that money's gonna stay here going to go out we don't we don't know that so that's also also if you if you bring the projects here yeah please uh try to hire texans to yeah. do those things do not yeah. put us yeah. in the background all the time <laughs> i don't always want to be this dude <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean like i don't want to be that like if you're gonna if it's a texas movie can you at least let some texans audition for the the, the good parts yeah. yeah right um i think that that's critical i don't want to see people just getting to be background the whole time. That really makes me mad. We made it in New Mexico, great. And you put like 80 extras from New Mexico and all your stars came from California. That's not cool. Um, so um, all these things I'm super excited to hear. I'm, I'm happy that people, I'm seeing a lot more work being done um, here in Texas. It, I mean, Casa Networks, I've been seeing stuff all day long. Every day I'm getting like 10, 15, different offers for work which is really really cool i like seeing people get to work um i love it this is this is this i like how you said we need to get political because i'm like yes we have to talk about money and we have to talk about paying people and we have to talk about mm -hmm. making sure people are squared away and and being fair to, to to filmmakers and being fair to your artists and your creatives and that doesn't necessarily mean that you subsidize them it just mean, may mean you, you help them do good business and i think that's why i say the other flip side of that is that if we care as texans and as artists about about other texans and other artists we have to support too we have to give to those crowdfund campaigns we need to pitch yeah. in and help for free when we can help and, and guide guide people um, we have to buy, like, I'm going to have to buy a copy up on the housetop when it comes out. <laughs> I'm going to buy a digital copy, right? I might buy some signed merch. Like, that's part of it. It isn't just, but in the interim, whether the politicians take care of us or not, there are a lot of things that we can do to, to, to resolve that. So I'm excited. Did we miss anything? Because I think we talked about filmmaking origins production crowdfunding uh distribution models which is really cool speaking of which are you going to be doing uh, anything at south by southwest or afm next year um i dvd on that personally um i will be at south by southwest um so i will be actively networking and connecting with people that i know through that okay. um and then yeah, we'll see about afm okay <laughs> so. Alrighty. Well, let Laura, let, let everybody know where they can find you on the socials. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can find uh, my Instagram account at uh, Laura Herring Films. And that is my, uh, my professional uh, page. You can also find Red Herring Productions, my um, production company on Instagram. And uh, then the, each of the projects have their own uh, <laughs> stuff as well. So you know, you would be able to probably find it just from my my personal socials on the on those. Okay, and for the podcasters out there, um, that's L A U R A, and Herring is H E R R I N G. All right, Danielle, Keisha, any last words? 
No, I'll just say thank you so much for your time today. And thank you so much for talking to us about your projects. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me on. Well, yeah, thank, thank you so you. much. We appreciate it. Thank you for your talent. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah, yeah. And any, anything you're doing with these both, uh, you know, shoot it to us. Let us know. We can share it on the Facebook page to help do what we can to create, you know, more, more knowledge and promotion of the project. Thank you so much for coming on, Laura. We look forward to getting some updates from you as to how everything's going please keep us you know these conversations are very helpful i know there's a wide range of people who are listening to us and we appreciate y'all some people in our audience that i can see are experienced filmmakers other people are just kind of getting started on their journey um hey steven what's going on baby uh hashtag me how's being chun uh so we have a lot of people who are in different areas and walks of of the filmmaker life. So thank you so much because these sorts of detailed conversations were telling the truth about distribution and crowdfunding and the work it takes to be successful helps the next set of people coming up, you know, rising tide, all ships, that's what it's about. So with that being said, thank you all for tuning in. We love you guys. Keep shooting. <laughs> and...